Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Richard reached for Morgan, pulling him closer. He settled on the bed next to him, and Richard maneuvered as close as he could, and then sucked Morgan's thick, heavy cock between his lips. Damn, this was heaven, sucking and being sucked, surrounded by someone and being surrounded at the oh. same time. Hey, Claire. Uh-huh. How's it going? Oh, we're finally talking about sucking cock. I am on board. Yay! Anyway, no, Richard but maybe felt- we should do the episode. Oh, 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 and ooh. talk about talking about sucking cock. The podcast, you mean? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. sure. Let's do that. Okay. But can we get back to sucking cock? Eventually, yes. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> Hi, I'm Neil, and I'm Claire, and this is FMK Lit, uh, where we uh, read romance novels—a straight one and a queer one—and then we talk about them, and we play fuck Mary kill with the characters, yeah, and the books, and the books, yes. Um, spoilers all the way around. All the way around. If you have come just like here, pouring out of us, like it's just like hitting our faces and like sliding down our our mouths and <laughs> like down our chest. Like that gift of the girl getting all the hot dogs thrown at her. <laughs> it's that, <laughs> but you're the girl, and the hot dogs are spoilers. Yes, fact. Um, so if you've come here for something else entirely. Turn around, bright eyes. Well, unless you don't mind a book being spoiled, then stick around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. 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 So, Claire, uh-huh. what's got you hot and bothered today? Okay, um, you remember your rant about the grammar. Yes. Okay, I have I have, I have, have a, a thing I need to talk about. How can I forget my grammar rant about Coxlap? Oh, God, I hope nobody can. <laughs> so, what do you need to talk about, Tommy? I'm so excited. Okay, see, here's the thing. So, uh-huh. I think I've mentioned this before, that sometimes I have a problem in books where there's a repeated beat. Yes. And I feel like I need to say what a, a beat is, so that people understand what a repeated beat is. Mm-hmm. Because like beating off? Uh, no. Oh, damn. A story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes. And uh, within a story, there are smaller stories. You can think of them as a sentence. A sentence has a beginning, middle, and an end when it's well constructed. And a sentence can be a story in and of itself. A paragraph also has a beginning, Mm -hmm, middle, mm -hmm. and an end. These are, as Mm -hmm. does like a chapter, these are full and complete thoughts. And we've had very good examples of those in books that we've read. And we've brought those up, yes. Um, Within... A chapter or within like an arc, there's like smaller moments that are called beats. Also having beginning, middle, and ends, but without the same sort of structure as well, maybe just a string of paragraphs, maybe just one paragraph. Mm-hmm. This is an idea in the story where a thing happens that propels the plot along. Yes. Uh, when you So a beat could happen within a chapter or a sentence or a paragraph, depending on how it's constructed. Exactly. Great. Um you can also think of them, if this helps, as a bit, like a comedic bit, like mm-hmm. it's uh, a guy falling down the stairs. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so so that's, so you can think of them as bits or beats or whatever helps you to get through mm. it. The problem is, like, if you, re- you repeat a beat, you're, you have to do that for a reason. And the reason should be thematic. 
Mm-hmm. Like a character continually struggles with the same problem again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Which can be considered their uh, tragic flaw. Yes. Like the one thing that they just can't not do or can't get over. Right, or it can help us to understand what's happening in the story. I think Mm -hmm. a good example is a movie that came out recently. This woman, she had to move from one place to another, and every time she got to this one location, the stairs were always under construction. Like, there was some problem with it, and she had Mm -hmm. caused her to go around, or because of the type of woman she was, she would just, like, take down the yellow tape and run up the stairs anyway. (laughs) And this happened several times in this miniseries. Mm-hmm. And that's a repeated beat. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it's a beginning, middle, and an end. It's a thing that happened continually to her. Mm-hmm. Now, it had a payoff at the end mm-hmm. because of a thing that happened. If it doesn't have a payoff, if there's right. no reason to have it, mm-hmm. it's just a repeated beat. Because it could also be, like in this example, that like she gets to the stairs that are under construction several times and because of who she is she's able to overcome but then something happens in the story that like the one time she gets to the stairs she can't do it she can't deal with it she has to do something different right and that's like and that's a a way to build up to that yes there's also a problem though in a repeated beat where there was no reason to do it except Mm -hmm. the author just wrote that moment again (laughs) these are unnecessary yeah People do, you write this all the time. I, I, everybody who's ever been a writer has always had unnecessary repeated beats. Mm-hmm. The problem is where you have the exact same thing happen over and over and over again with the exact same outcome with no reason. Where it doesn't move the plot forward. It doesn't change the character arcs. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, let's have this happen again. Oh, let's have this just happen again. Just for the sake of, quote, it's, tension. No, well, not even tension. Not even well, maybe tension. that's the author's oh, intention. Ah, uh, not in this one. Oh, not if, in this book. If it's the book that I think it is, mention it when we get to it because I have. If it's the book that I think it is, I have a theory okay. that I'd like to voice. Great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it's so, and I think this is important to talk about. There are ways to use a repeated beat as part of your construction. But I would have to say that it is an incredibly savvy author who knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. For the most part, if you've repeated a beat, you've probably actually done something wrong. Yeah. Because a repeated beat is so, is so similar to the storylines that have happened previously, you've probably just messed something up. Yeah. So if you can lift a beat out and nobody noticed it was gone... It didn't belong there. <laughs> and there are and there are so many moments in many of these books that we read where I, you could just like out and uh, nobody noticed. Yeah. Anyway, this is going to come up in this particular episode. So I felt the need because I'm just going to say this was a repeated beat and I wanted people to have context for what I'm saying. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that We've both had an instance in where in which these books have elicited such a passionate response. <laughs> anyway. Which is the point of art, right? Right. Well, no. <laughs> yes and no. Anyway, that's a whole nother hot and bothered. Um, <laughs> tell me. Yes? Neil Higgins. Mm-hmm. What's got you hot and bothered? So I did a thing last night. Um, I was working on my notes for this episode last night. Mm-hmm. 
I had some rosé, hashtag rosé all day. Um, it, it was actually in the evening time, so I can't even be like, I'm a lush. It was just like, it was in the evening and I had already eaten dinner, so I was having a glass of rosé. Um, and I was working on these notes and I don't know what made me think of this. Something popped into my head that I decided to listen to Dashboard Confessional uh-huh. as I was working on these notes. And I loved Dashboard Confessional in high school. And it was literally the most angsty thing that I did in my teen years, which that is to say, I was not an angsty teen at all, especially because I actually came out really young. Like I came out to friends freshman year of high school. So I was 14. Um, And then once you're out of the closet, angst be gone, unless you're angsty about other things. I was not. So I don't even know why I loved um, well, maybe I do. I think it's just, like, there was a poetry in the lyrics that was not common, and I think to this day is not common in a lot of music, especially mainstream music. But just, like, listening to these songs that I haven't listened to in such a long time, and yet I still know all the lyrics, brought me back to very specific memories in high school, and then also reminded me, because I took a break to Google image search, Chris Caraba, the... Dashboard Confessional. It's just him. It's like one guy. I wanted to fuck him <laughs> so bad. He was so hot. <laughs> oh my god! And this brought me back. And it's just like, oh, the those are the seven pictures that I had on my computer as a teenager. Anyway, all this like it just made me think about like how something so seemingly innocuous like an album from a band can just like bring up very specific memories from your formative years. And they weren't even like particularly interesting or important memories. Like there was one summer where one of my dad's coworkers was out of town. And so he was paying me to like water his plants like once a week or something while he was gone. And he lived in kind of the, like, ritzy part of town that involved long stretches of road and hills. And and I would just, like, listen to this album. I think it was the second Dashboard Confessional album on Full Blast, like, on my way to and from this guy's house. And just, like, water his plants. They just, like, sing along with Chris Caraba in the car. And just, like... I just think it's so interesting and kind of profound in a way that something so innocuous can remind you of something also innocuous or maybe very important, but just like that connection is just so very strong. Also, I still want to fuck Chris Caraba. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, So that's all I have to say. (laughs) I tried to, you know, be deep with it, but it's just, I like the songs and I want to fuck Chris Caraba. That's, that's the takeaway kids. I think that sounds just perfectly fine. Great. All right. So. Let's get to these books. I picked the books this time. All right. Which pick? I picked um, The Cougar Club, colon, though there's no colon on the title. I'm inserting a colon. So, The Cougar Club, colon, No Smoke Without a Fire by Bobby C. Bandy and Rekindled Flame by Andrew Gray. Ooh. So our theme was firefighters. <laughs> All right. Because well, we just did cops. Yeah. So. so cops. Firefighters. Firefighters. Yeah. And we did doctors, too. So we're, like, going through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Let's get into it. Let's get into it.
All right. Uh, so let's start with Rekindled Flame yes, by Andrew Gray. Firefighter Morgan has worked hard to build a home for himself after a nomadic childhood. When Morgan is called to a fire, he finds the family out front, but their tenant's still inside. He rescues Richard Smalley. That was the pronunciation of this name. Smalley? I think it was Smalley. Smalley. Okay, I apologize. He rescues Richard Smalley, who turns out to be an old friend he hasn't seen in years and and the one person he regretted leaving behind. Richard has had a hard life. He served in the military where he lost the use of his legs and has been struggling to make his way since coming home. Now that he no longer has a place to live, Morgan takes him in. But when someone attempts to set fire to Morgan's house, they both become suspicious and wonder what's going on. Years ago, Morgan was gutted when he uh, moved away, leaving Richard behind. So he's happy to pick up where things left off. But now that Richard seems to be the target of an arsonist, he may be not the safest person to be around. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Okay, so that's what the book says what happened. Yes. What happened? I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> the end. No. Um, so it kind of, I mean, like, it kind of gives away the big surprise. It, okay, so this book opens, Morgan Ayers is a firefighter, and he's at a fire. And that first scene was, like, for me, like, super exciting, super high stakes. Like, ah! So the, he's... At, there's a house on fire, the family's standing outside, and, like, the neighbors are gathered, and he goes up to uh, to them and is like, is everybody out? And it's a woman and her two kids, and then, like, their neighbor is sort of, like, with them, making sure everything's okay. And she's like, oh, no, we have a tenant. He's not out yet. So um, Morgan runs in. It's sort of like, it sounded like an add-on. Yeah, Sort yeah. of like, you know. Or like a downstairs, like, in-law. Or yeah, something. not quite, like an attached in-law mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so he goes there, and he sees that there's a ramp. So he's like, oh, shit, this person is has limited mobility, paralyzed, something or other. Mm-hmm. So he runs in, and it's this guy who's uh, sitting in his wheelchair and is passed out. So he smoke inhalation something so he is able to rescue him and take him out um and it's all like that whole first scene is super exciting and i thought very well written it was super well written the the fire and the smoke everywhere yeah and there's a there's a point where morgan has the guy in a fireman's carry and is um running towards the door and we see the fire up on the roof sort of like racing him to the front door and it's, he's not going to make it. And then, like, somebody else comes in with a hose and, like, buys him the three extra seconds that he needs to yeah. get out. Uh, and then, like, the Red Cross shows up to help. And it's, like, it's it gets into the logistics without overgoing into it that, like, this family's taking care of. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. they're gonna be put up somewhere for the night. Like, the Red Cross is going to put them up somewhere for the night. So, like, immediate needs are taken care of. It's, like, world building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is, like, the family is safe. EMTs are there to take this passed out guy to the hospital to take a look at him. 
but it was just like ah so so daring and just yeah, like yeah, ah yeah. right away so it was very exciting felt like a hero and like yes. he had his chief come up to him and was like oh, how could you just run into the building building and he's like I just saved the guy and then and then the chief was like we could have lost both of you and then Morgan's like but you didn't yeah don't rag on me for doing the right thing and I it thought, was like kind of great <laughs> I thought there was going to be a bigger thing in the book but that turned out to be like one of two times it comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that whatever. Such it's such a big deal. It's fine. It's <laughs> there fine. was just kind of a hero moment. Right. So then um, the next day, or maybe the day after, um, Morgan goes to the hospital because apparently he has a habit of visiting everyone that he rescues in the hospital mm-hmm. just to sort of catch up with them and like make sure, make sure okay. that they're okay. Um, we discover later that there's a... a like his first, oh, it was like his, one of his first days as a firefighter. Um, he went, oh God, this house went up and the parents died and he and another firefighter went in and there were three kids. Morgan picked up two of the kids and the other firefighter got the other kid. And then by the time they got out, the two kids that Morgan was carrying were already dead. Mm-hmm. And so of this family of five, only one kid survived. Yeah. And that's, and Morgan went to go visit him in the hospital to make sure he was okay. So yeah. that like that kicked off his habit of visiting rescued victims in the hospital just to be like, are you okay? Like, right. Well, when we find that out, I feel like it wasn't written in a way that was, it wasn't horrific. I mean, it was horrific, it, but it, it wasn't, was a horrific it, situation. Wasn't in, it wasn't intended for us to like, get off on that horror. It was no. like, no, this is like a genuinely sad thing that happened. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and we'll get into it later, but the man he rescues has also been through a lot of bad shit. And so he used that as a way to share, like, I've been through bad shit too. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's it sucks, but like, I've been able to sort of work through it that it doesn't affect my life mm-hmm. in a terribly negative way. So like, it's worth fighting for to like get through this shit. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Morgan goes to visit this man in the hospital. Um, he he had learned from the family that he was a veteran. Turns out he was a veteran from Iraq, um, and who lost like the dust jacket says lost the use of his legs in uh, a war zone. Um, and they're sort of talking, and the guy is like, "Are you the one who who rescued me? Well, you shouldn't have. Everyone would be." would be better off without me kind of thing. Yeah. We're like right off the bat. Like, yeah. I don't know you, but I'm better off dead. And it's just like, Oh God. Okay. Well, yeah. this right is right away. It was like, Oh, this is going to be heavy. This is going to be super heavy. <laughs> this book is going to be really heavy. And it is. Yeah. But it turns out that it is Morgan's best friend, Richie from when they were kids, they were best friends up until the age of 13 mm-hmm. when Morgan moved away. And I think this is this is where the, this book comes in with effective uses of of flashback. Yes, like yep. I think there are lots of times it's hard to navigate flashback. Yeah, but uh, this book navigated them very well. So after he leaves the hospital, he has a flashback, and mm-hmm. he goes back in time in his mind to one of the last times he really saw Richie, mm-hmm. and it is poignant. Yes, and honest it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like oh we've just made it up for this book like it felt like this is a scene that could happen the one thing that so the flashback is that he he morgan and richie um 
knew this girl growing up named Amy. And Amy's family had ponies, and they wanted to go ride the ponies. Uh-huh. And Amy was like, well, you have to wait for my... We have to wait for my mom to get out to, like, supervise us. Uh, in the meantime, let's play wedding. I'm going to be the priest, and you two are going to get married. And they, like, went into the hayloft in the barn and got married. The one thing that I was like, Ooh, like, do girls still play wedding when oh, they're 13? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. okay. 100% says this girl. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Says this girl who was like, let's do married things all the time. I was into it. Okay, listeners, just really quick, I want to say, you may hear this a little bit. It may sound like static, but there's a gorgeous and lovely comforting rain happening outside. It's so rain. just like, maybe like turn on a noise machine on your own side that's rain. Yeah. And so it's just like all part of the environment. Which is a little ironic because we're talking about firemen. Oh, so. So there are a lot of fires, but it's fine. There's a nice gentle rain that will come in and out because that's how weather works here. Yeah. Just so um, FYI. FYI. But anyway, anyway I, so, it, I mean, yeah, I I can see how you could see that they'd be a little too old for that kind of thing. Yeah, and, but, I also but it also just didn't. It, was nice. it also didn't say how old Amy was. Mm-hmm. Like she could have been younger, and they ended up going through with it because they wanted to ride ponies. So they're like, okay, well, we have to humor her so that we can ride ponies. And they um, bent nails into circles so that they had rings to give each other. Did they kiss? I think they kissed. No, they didn't kiss. They they got uncomfortable. They're like, no, we're not going to do that part. Even though we find out later that they both uh, came out to each other when they were very young. Like, even before, I think before they had the vocabulary for it. It's like, before this particular ceremony. Oh, me too, kind of thing. Um, So just like keep, that's, and that's kind of the only flashback. And that's the main flashback. I think that's the yeah. main flash. So like just kind of like and there's things around that, but that's right, about right. it. So that pops up a lot. So just keep that in mind, readers. Um, so then, Richie, no, Morgan goes back to the hospital, and um, it turns out that so the family. Okay, Richie was renting from the wife, no, the brother of someone who was in his unit who died in Iraq. So, like, he came back from Iraq. The sister. Sister. Yeah, yeah, yes. Grace? Yes. Yeah. So, his... Grace's brother died in Iraq, and they had served together. Yes. So, he had been renting from Grace, who lived with her two kids, um, who loved... They all loved Richie. But then, of course, he was like, okay, well... And it turns out that the house was insured. So, like... Mm -hmm. And the insurance companies put them up in a hotel. So, like financially they're going to be fine. Obviously it was very terrible that they like lost the house and the memories and they had to go through this experience. Um, and they all really like Richie. Like the kids call him uncle Richie. Um, but he's like, I like he, he feels a burden on them, like a burden to them. So he's like, I kind of like, they need to deal with their things. So I'm just going to like leave them alone to do mm-hmm. that. And I'll just figure my shit out, whatever. But also, he's like too depressed to really think to ask for help. When right, he needs right, it, right. To like to think about like his life being worthwhile. Yeah. And deserving of help. Right. And Morgan's like, just stay with me. And Richie's like, but I. And Morgan's like, no, we were best friends. And like, yeah, we haven't seen each other in twenty years because. Um, Morgan moved away when they were kids. His dad moved them away. Um, his alcoholic father, who ended up um, becoming sober right. because, like it, it like child protective services threatened to take 
Morgan away. And we find out later Morgan's like, oh, I was convinced I was going to go live with another family because my dad just couldn't get his shit together after my mom died. But the dad did. So, like, that worked out. Yeah, it ended up being okay. but... Um, But then he ended up back in his hometown. And then Richie went into the Marines, like, right after high school? Yeah. Um, served in Iraq, came back and was somewhere else and then went back to their hometown. And they're from Harrisburg, near Harrisburg? Yeah. Like somewhere in there. Um, so Richie or Morgan's like, you're, we were best friends. I have the room. Just like, come stay with me. And Richie's like, okay, fine. And there's a great scene where they're like, they go to Target to get, you know, like, Clothes, toothpaste, all the things that Richie needs to live his life day to day. And he's kind of like grousing about it. And just like, (laughs) this one point Morgan's basically just like, quit your bitching. Like, sure, (laughs) if you really want to pay me back for it, that's fine. But like, you need this stuff. So just like, shut up about it. Yeah. Uh, There's um, a lot, because Richie is like, he calls himself half a man a lot. Um, and a character, one of Morgan's friends gets into it. That's sort of like, well, his identity was being a Marine. And we find out that after he was injured and no longer able to serve in combat, despite the fact that he could have served other roles in the Marines, they just sort of like, okay, thanks. Have a nice life. They sort of booted him out. So his identity was from his point of view, his identity was taken away from him. So, He's like, I'm half a man. I'm not worth anything, blah, blah, blah. And Morgan does some tough love um, in a way that I felt. And, you know, like, I don't have experience in this sort of situation. But to me, felt like, no, like, you're a person. Like, there's no reason for you to be, like, not bitching. But uh, Morgan was basically like, like, he says man up a lot like you're a marine man up kind of thing mm-hmm. but then he also says things like no I'm I'll help you. like they go to the gym and Richie's like how am I supposed to do this and Morgan's like I'll help you and he's like I don't like hey come help me with dinner and like Morgan just doesn't care that yeah. Richie's in a wheelchair other than like okay well we need to like take a few extra things into consideration and a few aspects of our lives but other than that like you're the same person that I knew when we were 13. Yeah. Which, of course, isn't true. They've both changed very much from their lives. And of it's course. sort of them, like, getting to know each other again against what they knew of each other when they were best friends, which I thought was really interesting. I thought so, too. I really liked the dynamic between the two of them. I liked how deeply into his depression Richie was. That, And he was coming out of it. Like he was he getting was. like already like when we find him, he's already like he's at a bad spot, mm-hmm. but he's getting better, right? Slowly, he, but he doesn't. He needs that extra person, r- right? But he also like it's obvious that he had been through some therapy with the VA, but like didn't like mm-hmm. the VA system, and so sort of like stepped out of that. Yeah, and the, it seemed from his personality that he's the sort of person that like doesn't necessarily want to talk about these sorts of things and blah blah blah. So I was under the impression that for most of the book he wasn't getting any emotional or mental right currently presently he he was not he'd rejected a lot of it like the va system wasn't for him but he also like had no options like 
It right. wasn't like he had other insurance. He yeah. couldn't And take... he brings that up. Because, like, yeah. I don't have insurance. So I can just go anywhere I want. Like, I can only go to a VA And the VA system is hard to navigate. Yeah. And he sort of let himself get lost in it. Because he's like, I don't feel like dealing with well, this Well, and it also anymore. sounds like Grace sort of rescued him. Like, he was maybe homeless a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that he had made some real bad choices with his life. And yeah. Grace kind of swooped in and helped him out. Yeah. He also went through a series of jobs that didn't work out because he has PTSD. He has flashbacks. And so he, like, they bring up that he wanted, he got a job as a chef in a restaurant. And then he made the comment something like, oh, like, me being in a room full of sharp knives didn't really work out. Like, he didn't actually hurt anyone, but. Right. And I thought this was, like, and they, they talked about this a lot, like, as he and Morgan are getting closer together and as Morgan is trying to help him emotionally get through this. Like, that a lot of this is touching on Morgan's relationship with his father. Like, the anger issues mm-hmm, and the inability mm-hmm. to cope. And and that Morgan has beca- a, a very nice red line. Like, okay, well, if you choose your sorrow and your pain over me, then that's it. I'm out. There's one thing that comes up later that I felt was unfair of him. And we'll talk about it when that comes up. But, okay. yeah. Um... So then, uh, also we find out that not only was Richie Morgan's best friend growing up, but growing up, Morgan reflects now and is like, oh, Richie, your mom knew what was going on in my house. And so, like, Richie's mom would have Morgan over a lot, would, like, be sure that he had some Christmas presents and, like help take care of him because she knew that he wasn't being taken care of. Right. So at one point where Morgan was like, oh, I want to help you with this and this. And not in like, oh, I need to save you because you're in a wheelchair. But like, no, like, we're people. We all need to take care of ourselves. You need a little extra help and I'm happy to do that yeah, for you're, you. You're staying at my house, so I need to build you a ramp. <laughs> right. You need to be able to get in and out of the house by yourself. That's fine. Um, reading that, I like had this moment that's like, oh my God, like Morgan is repaying Richie for everything that he and his mother had done when he was growing up. He's offering Richie the help that he wished someone had given him Mm -hmm. after he moved away and didn't have any friends anymore. And I'm like, this is character development, and it's wonderful. Yeah, to a degree. I also felt like, and I've talked about this before with other characters, sometimes Morgan was too perfect. Yeah, a little bit. And, And that got on my nerves. I was like, Morgan was great. Morgan has great friends, some gay, some straight, and they have mm-hmm. regular meetings where they go to this cool, very cool gym and just chit-chat. Yeah, he has his, his gym buddies. Um, Though I did appreciate, um, there's one that he's like, oh yeah, these two of my gym buddies are a couple, and then the others are straight guys, and they're like, totally fine. We're all supportive. We're all good friends. I'm like, yay! Um... But there's one part where one of the gym buddies is like, because Morgan or Richie's in the pool and apparently just like a superhero in the water. Yeah. Like he's Aquaman. Um, And he's, Morgan's talking about it with one of his friends and they're like, well, his identity was taken away and he needs to find a new one. And Morgan's like, well, how do I do that? And they're like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, I appreciated that too. Like, he no. has to do it himself. <laughs> like, you can be there to be supportive, but like, he has to do this himself, kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, these are facts. These are all facts. And and Morgan took that to heart. Yes, he did. He wasn't like, 
like many stories we've read where the characters were like, no, I'm going to fix him. I'm going to save him. I'm going to protect him, whatever. He's yeah. like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. Well, and I wanna... It's frustrating and I want to fix it, but you, you're right. I can't. He has to like do this for himself. So I'm just going to be here and help him. Well, and this is something like moves forward and back like my comment, but, and this was very important to me. Um, as soon as like Morgan's trying to be helpful and I had this fear that because he talked about it, he's like, well, I think we, you need to go see a therapist and maybe a physical therapist. Like, are you sure you can't walk anymore? And as soon as that mm-hmm. came up, I was like, oh no, oh no, I do not want this book to end with. And it turns out he could walk. Oh. Like I was so mm-hmm. worried about that. Yeah, Cause because... I, that's one not true. That's not how everybody ends up. Like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't just not being like it is true. Is for that some the people. thing that you got really excited yeah, about on the yeah. way over here? Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> because Richie says he has feeling in his legs. Mm-hmm. It's kind of muted. Like his threshold of being able to feel things is a lot higher lower than what it used to be like someone has to put a lot of pressure on his legs for him to be able to feel it but there is some feeling and he said that when he was first in physical therapy that people the his doctors were hopeful that he would be able to walk again but it turns out that that wasn't the case right and he also had not great doctors and like yeah it was it was a whole thing and so they want to get him into physical therapy again. And what I appreciated at the end was that they did get him to go back to physical therapy. And, and he they, tried for like six months. And they tried and it and wasn't it, for him. Yeah. But it genuinely wasn't for him. It wasn't his depression. It wasn't a given up. It was like, no, I need to live my life. Yeah. Like I could spend the next 10 years doing this and maybe gain a couple inches. What's more important for me is to just live. Mm-hmm. And it was like... Yes, this is fine. People yeah. making personal choices about their bodies and us not and like not being like too ableist about it. Like yeah. they know you have to fix yourself. You have to fix yourself. You have to fix yourself. Mm-hmm. And like I was so glad that this book didn't turn into do whatever you can to fix yourself. And what I also really appreciated because he has PTSD and when he talks to somebody else who is a whose lover also has PTSD, and that this guy says like. He says, yeah, like, it's not like it just ends. Love doesn't make PTSD go away. Mm -hmm. Like, going to therapy doesn't make it go away. Mm -hmm. But you do get tools to deal with it. Yeah. You do have support systems. Yeah. And so, like, that was, like, what I also appreciated is, like, no, this is who you are now. And, like, the book underlines that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The choices in your life Mm -hmm. led you to who you are, and you are still valuable. Right. You are still a person who's worthwhile in the world to do what you need to do, to Mm -hmm. make money, to have lovers, to be happy. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you're still going to be depressed, and you're still going to have PTSD, and your legs are still not going to work, but guess what? You're still a valuable human being. Yes. uh, That underlining was so good. Yeah. And it was so important. Yeah. And it was so perfect. Several characters, including Morgan, said this to him. Because Morgan, like I said, brought up the story about, like, not being able to save everyone in that mm-hmm. family. Like, he's gone through some shit, too, being a fireman. Like, he's, right. he's seen people die. And he's like, yeah, I have shit that I have to deal with. And, you know, our shit's different. But everyone has shit to deal with. And, like, there are ways to deal with it. And it doesn't go away. It never mm-hmm. goes away. But you can make it better. Yeah. Which is great. So plot, sure, I guess. Um, so after 
Um, Richie ends up at Morgan's and they're sort of like shacked up. Angus shows up. Angus. <laughs> who's the fire marshal. And he and Morgan are pretty good friends. Um, I think mostly because they're both gay. Yeah, and they and I think they talk about that a little bit, that the, the fire department is still like an old boy's system and sort club, of. and that he had a hard time in his, in his previous, mm-hmm. like where he, he was, was before. In, he was in... Detroit? Somewhere. Yeah, well, right. he had a hard time there, and he finally was able to come home. And yeah, they're probably best friends because they're both gay, but also because they're smart and sassy and whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> Angus is... Uh, the fire marshal, whose partner is Kevin. Mm-hmm. Kevin's great. Kevin's great. Kevin shows up sometimes. But Angus comes over and is like, hey, I need to talk to Richie because it looks like this was arson. So it turns out that someone had someone had covered the outside of Richie's room with gasoline mm-hmm. and then set the building on fire. Um so they were like, do you know anyone who might want to hurt you? And Richie was like, most of the people I can think of are in Iraq and they live there. So unless they got here somehow. Yeah. And then, then he's like, oh, yeah, there's this one guy. But like. Secret sauce. I can't say. I can't say. It's secret. Shit's secret. super confidential. I don't know what I can say about this. And they're like, well, no, we're not asking for details. Just like a person you can think of. And he's like. I don't know if I can. And they're like, just a name, something. And he eventually gives a name. It was this guy, this specialist. And the way that he tells the story, he's like, I was outside of Baghdad and there was a specialist who was brought in. I can't say for what to do a thing. I can't say what, but he seemed to super like fire. And I noticed that. And I said something to someone and then the specialist got booted. And I think he knows that it was me who was sort of like, ratted him out so maybe that guy turns out to not be that it was guy. not that guy don't worry it wasn't that guy wasn't don't worry about guy. it uh don't worry babies um <laughs> there there are a couple more fires there's another um army guy who's who was also in baghdad and his he's back with his family his house got set on fire so they're sort of trying to like yeah, there's no connection between right. him and Richie, it's, they just both seem to have been in Baghdad. They were both in Baghdad, but then they keep saying, like, there were a lot of people in Baghdad there at the time. So, like, what are we going to do? And they try to reach out to the military, and the military's like, we can't tell you a whole lot. So, so they're trying to figure it out. Um, meanwhile, uh, Richie and Morgan are fucking like crazy. Well, I would say they're fucking a little bit. It's they're fucking a little bit. They, 69, which is the first time we've seen this. Blowjobs! Blowjobs! I missed them so! <laughs> I thought these particular blowjobs were so well conceived Oh, and it was great. It was sexy and meaty. And <laughs> in more ways than one, I mean, honey bun. Full mouths. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in this, yeah, but not in like, the gross Not way. like 24 inches. Not like 24 inches. It was really loving and lovely and sexy mm-hmm. and it was great. It was wonderful. I was really happy with their sex scenes and yeah, honestly yeah. like there was like the first like there was a moment like I don't know my legs it's like no, I'm gonna fuck you. And then they just got to it. And then yeah. Ooh. Good for boys. Um <laughs> good for boys. 
Because there's a scene, they go to the gym with the gym buddies earlier, and Richie's embarrassed about his legs. One, because they are, like, smaller, because he hasn't been using those muscles a lot. And then between the injury and, the injuries and the surgeries afterwards, he has a lot of scars. He's like, I'm embarrassed. And then Morgan's like, oh, these are all these scars that I've gotten mm-hmm. from being a firefighter. That's fine. Also, on the way from gym to dinner, when they, like, saved that family from that car. Uh-huh. And Morgan's like, I got it. So they're on their way to dinner with the gym friends. And uh, Richie's like, oh, that guy up there has probably been drinking. And then as soon as he says it, he veers out of the way and causes a car crash. Yep. And then... Uh, Morgan's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm on it. And he runs to the car and he like, it's a husband and wife and their two kids in the backseat. And he like is able to get the kids out and he's trying to get the wife out. And he's like, is your husband okay? And she's like, I don't know. He seems unconscious and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden Richie's there. He just like was able to pull his wheelchair out from the backseat and get and like rush over and like help rip the car door open because he's a goddamn superhero. He's a Marine. Um, so they save. So they save this family, and oh, it was great. Yeah, it no. was wonderful. Anyway, so um, while they're trying to figure out, oh, and then um, so the other army family has the fire, and then there's a fire at this big warehouse that they're like, okay, like it's kind of our guy, but like I don't Why know. A Why, Why a warehouse? Why a warehouse? Anyway, so Morgan and Angus are both there, and Richie's sort of like. Biting his nails, trying to figure out what to do. And then Kevin, Angus's partner, calls him and is like, Hey, it is super shitty sitting around alone worrying for our loved ones. Can I come over and we'll just like keep each other company? And he brings the dog. Because mm-hmm, what's the Ke- dog's name? Like oh, I don't Berta or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, Kevin and Angus have a dog, and she's lovely, and she loves Richie. Yeah. So like Kevin and, and Richie, and they keep telling Morgan, they're like, "You really gotta get a dog." You for should Richie. get it. Because and, and Richie's like, "I don't want to tell Morgan. I want a dog. But I really want. But a I really dog. want a dog. But this isn't my house. Yeah. And- <laughs> He's like, "Why is he building a ramp for me when I'm just here temporarily?" It's like, girl, come yeah, on. There was, I mean, and it was important and part of character development but this is richie in a nutshell why does he why is he doing these things why won't he just leave me alone i mean it's sad it's i hate him i have to be sad and i was like no and i know why and i'm not making fun of him right now because this is i believe his depression and this is important to me as somebody with loved ones who are currently in in uniform Mm -hmm. so I, i don't mean to undermine it but like this was all he was doing the whole time was questioning why the anybody likes him at all. <laughs> There's one point where he's like, I'm just a chair. And Morgan's like, no, you're not. And Richie's like, I don't believe you. And then Morgan kisses him. And later Richie's like, he just kissed me to prove a point. It's like, no, nobody does that. Yeah, but still. It's, take, but it's, it, it's but like. There was a really great moment. I want to say like there's this great moment that un, that. It made me really happy because the whole time, because they finally get him to talk about what happened in Iraq. They because mm-hmm. so, they need the information, but also he needs to get you know he needs to start working through it. Yeah, he because he calls someone else from his uh, unit unit that lived and is he's kind of like, oh yeah, I told my wife. I know we're probably not supposed to, but I told my wife because I needed to tell someone and like yeah. she needed to know where I was coming from and like. That and was the beginning yeah. of things getting and better Richie's for me. And Richie's like, oh, oh, oh damn, okay. I get it. 
But so he finally does tell Morgan, and Morgan's like, well, that wasn't your fault. That kind of bothered me. Like, in a lot of a lot of these books, like, characters blame themselves for something, and it is entirely not their fault. And to me, it'd be more interesting for a character to be like, I had to choose the lesser of two evils, and the lesser of two evils was still awful, and I have to live with that. As opposed to, you're blaming yourself for no reason. Like, I'm just tired of it. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. But I thought this one was particularly well written, and I believed it. Like, there's times where I don't believe it. Yeah, I definitely I believed it of his character. What happened, like, they, they went to do a thing, and he was given intelligence by his commanding officer that turned out to be bad, and, like, they underestimated how many um, people they'd be fighting against, and most a good chunk of his squad died, and everyone else was more or less really seriously injured. And so he's like, it's my fault, even though Morgan's like, no, you're acting on intelligence that your commanding officer gave you. Like, and then Rich is like, I should have double checked it. And he's like, no, you were like trusting someone to give you information. But I mean, there's like, like, I was kind of like, well, I mean, having not, not anything similar at all, but like having been depressed and been through depression myself, it's like, it's so easy to just like, everything's my fault. And, And to always be in that, even when you know, that's not true. Like, and it's, it's just like where you live and it's really hard for other people to convince you that that's not so. And that's, and like being able to like, well, and that's part of alcoholism too. Like that you are like, you have this thing that's convinced you that you're in control of everything and you have to be in control of everything. And when something goes wrong, it's your fault because you're supposed to be in control of everything and you have to fix it. And if you can't fix it, you are a horrific person who doesn't deserve to live. And like this, like fighting for control and an inability to have it is really is like part of like the depression anxiety cycle. And then like the ability to release control is all those therapies. (laughs) Every single therapy is like, (laughs) here's how to release control. Here's how to accept the fact that things are out of your control. Here's how to be okay with the bus not arriving on time. (laughs) And, (laughs) And like, which sounds so dumb, but like you sit at a bus stop and go, well, everything's obviously my fault. (laughs) I should go drink myself to death. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) And like, and that's not exactly the rationale, but it's a big part of it. And like being able to like release that control, but also to be able to accept circumstances as they are without replaying them in your mind Mm -hmm. as something you could have controlled is a huge part of therapy. Okay. I And I I, thought this particular book, in other books that we've read where something similar comes up, it wasn't well written and it was plot line driven and it was bad. In this one, I thought it was good. And I think like everything that you just said obviously is incredibly valid. Um, But I think just because we've had so many books so far where the person in in the straight romance novels and like the very traditional roles, Richie is like quote the woman and that he's like he he needs help. He is too proud to accept help. He 
has self-esteem issues, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. so many things that we've seen of the female characters in the straight exactly. novels yes. that we've written are written, oh, someday, <laughs> that we've read. Right. Um, that, like, so many times it's like, this thing is my fault. Like, um, fucking what's-her-face from Doctor in Kansas Land, mm-hmm. where she's like, he didn't marry me. I'm raising this son on my own. Everyone thinks I'm a slut. Everything is my fault. I'm terrible. And it's just like, well, we've it, been through this yeah. so many times. I feel no that I'm, for her character I'm desensitized to yeah, it in yeah, a yeah. way. So that when Richie did it, I was kind of like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing. But it, it, it ended up in this very therapeutic, interesting moment where Morgan was talking about uh, a captain of his and like a chief and like oh that part was the best and so like and he'd gone through and like people had died and he he felt so awful about it he gave up his job he hung up his hands and his his hat and his pants and his pants um and right away Richie was like but that wasn't his fault and then he goes oh well I think <laughs> that, I, uh, if I remember correctly shit. yeah 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 I think it was like but that wasn't his fault. Son of a like yeah, how like, you tricked me. Like, and he says that too, he's like, you're sneaky. Right. And that I mean, like, that proves your point that somebody suffering from depression is able to recognize in others that right. they're taking on taking things on necessarily, but aren't able to recognize that in themselves. So like, yeah. yeah, that's true. Right. And like it's I thought like I thought again, like this was really well played out in this particular story. Um, yeah. So, um, blah, blah, blah. There's the fire at the warehouse. Um, meanwhile, there have been several times in the book where, oh, and this actually happened while they were waiting at the warehouse that, like, Morgan, or in in this case, while uh, Kevin is over, that the dog, like, sort of hears something and they sort of, like, chase someone away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, what's going on? So they're able to sort of piece two and two together that um, the fire at the army guy's house and the fire at the warehouse were sort of decoys in a way to sort of like throw them off the scent to be like, oh, this same person is starting fires in all these other places for these reasons. Right. But it eventually comes to light that, no, he was just targeting Richie Mm -hmm. and was sort of like doing other places to sort of throw them off the scent. Um, I think... Well, they, what happened? Well, they like, came to that. Morgan's con- away. Well, well, so it, so they came to that conclusion at the station, because Morgan mm. was at the station, and he's and 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 then also Angus, part of his job, I guess. I don't know if this is true. Farmers, like he's rolling to sort of like profiling people and like trying to think like an arsonist and like something about this isn't adding up. Kind right. Of thing. Well, and they talk about it. There, also, Angus like, is Scottish. We just have to like point yeah, that out. Yeah, he really is. He is Scottish. So, so when they talk about that at the station, they're like, it's all about Richie. Whatever it is, it's all about Richie. And so then Morgan tries to call him to be like, oh, we need to talk about something. And they can't get a hold of him. And he's like, I already tried to call him well, earlier. He, and he, like, he calls him because he's like, I want to make sure he's okay. Yeah, and he can't get a hold of him. And he's like, that's actually unusual. He's always answered his phone. Mm-hmm. And they because run over. we never mentioned that Richie now sort of makes money as a freelance like website designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he works from home, and like, which is another reason why he wants a dog. And he's because... not even like a designer. He's like a fixer. Yeah. Like a, a coder. Designer. Something. Anyway. Um, because 
uh, Morgan, able to work from home is all. Yeah, matters. he works from home, and then Morgan works long shifts, like mm-hmm. days at a time. He's a fireman. He's a fireman. So they're like, let's get on that dog. Anyway, so he's like, he always has his phone. Blah, danger. Yes. So then he he runs home. He and Angus are there, and he's he's sort of like, oh, like they they scope out the front. They don't see anything, and they're like, okay, we'll both go on either side of the house and meet in the back. Um, Morgan gets to the back door and hears voices and decides to just like not barge in, which yeah. is great. He's like, I don't know if this person has a gun. That's, I don't know what's going on. That's fair. So I'm gonna just like listen in on this conversation. Like, not quite wait and see. He does, like, step away to call the cops, yeah, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He comes back. Turns out that um, the arsonist is the brother of someone in um, Richie's unit who died. Yes. On the, the first operation that Richie was sort of in control of. And so the arsonist is like, it's all your fault, blah, blah, blah. And then um, Richie does some great, like tactics like trying to talk him down like right but it's also like the first time he's like been able to say it, it wasn't my fault right 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 and he's it's like, important to my life that you know that yeah <laughs> like we were acting on bad information that somebody else gave us and like your brother was following orders just like i was and like right. all this stuff and then he's like no you're doing the plan i forget how exactly they catch the guy oh well, no, 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 oh because yeah that's when um Rich or Morgan moves away to to like meet someone or like a cop who showed up or to call the cops or something, and he hears a kerfuffle and he's like, "What am I going to do?" And then they burst in and Richie is on top of the guy because he's like, "Oh, he tried to pull me out of my wheelchair and then I use my my marine training." (laughs) And I think he even says, "He's like, I'm a marine, you son of a bitch," and he's like on top of it. No, it's like you can't take me down. (laughs) He's what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm awesome and built. I'm cut like a motherfucker. Right. So, yay, they caught the arsonist. Yeah, they caught the arsonist. And then and there's an epilogue. Yes. It's a year later, and they're getting married in a barn. <laughs> also, we forgot to mention that Morgan kept the ring, like yeah. the twisted nail. He, like, keeps it in his, like, mom, his dead mom's box. Oh, and he also had no, his... I, you need to... It's a keepsake box. The keepsake that box. That was... That belonged to that his belonged mother, to his... who's now dead. <laughs> Dead mom's box. It's the box where he keeps his dead mom. No, it's <laughs> the keepsake box that he inherited from his dead mother. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> he also inherited his mother's cookbook, and then Richie started like making stuff out of uh-huh. it, which was really sweet. Anyway, so they're going to a barn and they're getting married and uh, happily ever after. Oh, oh my god, I cried. <laughs> I cried several times during this book. I cried at the end. I cried during the kids' wedding ceremony when they were looking into each other's eyes. They had, like, the twisted nails. I cried when they were, like, being cutesy with each other. I cried when they had sex. I was just, I cried. I cried. I got a little teary all the time. I cried. In public places, I hope. Uh, yes. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, so we're going to get to the next book. But first, we're going to talk about a network of podcasts that we enjoy. Yes, our friends have a network of podcasts called Let Me Listen Podcasts, and we think they're great and funny. 
You'll find such wonderful uh, comedy podcasts on them as a Narrative Comedy Brawl, Let Me Finish, and Ooh. yes, Classic Comedy Review Show, Late Seating. <sighs> Um, also, I highly recommend a podcast I took part in one time. That Bragging was much? Fact. Um, it's an improvisational horror comedy serial, American Monsters, and How to Destroy Them. Oh, that's an important life lessons. Fact. So where can we find all of these wonderful podcasts? Well, you can find them in all the usual places. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can also go to their website, lemmelistenpodcast.com. Great. Let's do it right now. No, first we're going to talk about the other book. And then go go find their podcast. These are the things we're doing. Yeah. So let's talk about the next book. Talk about the next book. Which I'm going to read the description. And the, the way it's written is a little different. Which is No Smoke Without a Fire, parentheses, The Cougar Club, book one. So, by Bobby C. Bandy. Bobby with an I-E. You know, whatever, it's fine. Bitter and wary of men after her husband leaves her for a younger woman, 40-year-old ER nurse Beth Sawyer has decided dating isn't an option. That is, until an arsonist's fire brings Jackson Stanton, a strong, handsome 27-year-old fireman, to her trauma unit. Despite loathing the title of Cougar, Beth finds her attraction to Jackson too strong to resist. It seems simple at first, a fun fling with the added bonus of payback to her ex-husband, but the more Beth dates Jackson, the stronger her emotions grow. So too does the arsonist's death toll. When suspicion for the fires lands on Jackson, Beth must determine if the man she's falling for is out to set her body and heart on fire, or if he has her marked as his next victim. So that's that. Tell me, Claire. Uh-huh. What happens? We open at an ER. Uh-huh. A nurse, Beth, like, who seems very confident mm-hmm. and capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they accept a wounded fireman into, oh, no. into the ER, and they have mm-hmm. to, like, mm-hmm. fix him up. Turns out he's fine. It's okay. He's, like, he's there was perfectly like, fine. There was, like, a lot of, like, oh, my God. And then, like, immediately it was like, no, he's cool. Like, it wasn't, like, he was, like, knocked on the head a little bit. Yeah, like, and had, like, a little bit of smoke in his lungs. But he was released that night. Oh, yeah, right he away. He didn't even have to stay overnight. No, he was cool. And, like, not only that, they're, like, like immediately the horrific use of backstory comes right in. She's, like, what happened? He was, and, like, some fireman is, like, he was coming down the stairs with a little child in his arms. And he, when they fell, the stairs gave way. But he saved the child by using his own body to break the fall. But God, he was fine. Fuck this book. He suffered no injuries No injuries whatsoever. at all. The child was also fine. And she yeah. was like, this hero. We have to save this he's hero's hero. life. Anyway, he's fine. She's in his room kind of doing his, uh, you know, kind of getting his papers ready to yeah. get out. And he's like, hey, we should go on a date. And she's like, haha, you're funny. You were too young for me. And he's like, but Emma, you seem great and super hot. And she's like, haha, whatevs. She's like, I'm 40. You're like, what, 21? And he's like, I'm 27. I'll have you know. And then they say he's 13 years younger, like 37 times in this book. A like everyone times after that. very Everybody's specifically says very 13 good at math years. In this book. 
Fairy got it back oh. and are immediately able to do the calculation. Like, that is 13 years younger oh. than you. And they're all very judgy about it. Like, that's... So like, judgy. Like, at first I was like, why are you so afraid of people being judgy of this relationship? You're a nurse and he's a fireman. Like, you've had, like, absolute, like, reason to run into each other. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody would be like, all right, that's fine, whatevs. But no, no, no. Like, you were right. Everybody was Everyone's super judgy. Everyone real <laughs> terrible about... Well... All of her co-workers are terrible about it. Her friends, the club, which for most of the book is just called the club. Well, okay. And so I'm like, she, what kind of club are they? But they're all for like, it. She just has like three girlfriends that they meet mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Danielle, all very Faith, busy. and Jackie. Danielle, Faith, and Jackie. They meet every Thursday night for dinner and they call it the club. Right. But I, like. But they don't club anything. They're but it's not fine. A, they don't it's club fine. anything. It's fine. But they still like. Danielle, it's Danielle, is like one of her best friends, and she mm-hmm. works at the hospital yeah, as she's a physical a, therapist. Yeah, she's a physical therapist. And and Danielle is right away, girl, go out and get your man. He's, get some dick, he's, girl. Just fuck him one time. Have fun. Like right away. Because and she's like the sassy friend. She is a sassy friend. Uh, because we learned that Beth's husband left her for someone younger. And here's at this point Which where has I'm been not say, good for her self-esteem. This book feels like it was written by a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the book that prompted your repeated beats lecture? Uh Uh-huh. So I have a theory about this book. I think that uh, Bobby C. Bandy, who I read her her bio, like, she's... uh, An algorithm? No. (laughs) She's, like, a home care professional. An algorithm. She is a mother of one or two kids. Like, she's super busy. So I think what she did is she told herself, I'm going to write a paragraph a day. To, like, set aside time for herself to get her writing done. But I think what she did is she never read what she wrote before and just kept writing new paragraphs. It's like, oh, I don't know if I've said that yet. I'll just say it again. I would I, I would have to agree. But also, <sighs> here's the thing. Here's another reason why I say I think it was written by an algorithm. So, like, you want to sell romance novels. And you put into a machine and you say, oh. Fireman. Uh, yeah, I need like a fireman. Divorcee. Divorcee. They're going to be like. Two kids ladies, with no personalities. Like, and I need these things. Like, Sassy friend. Shake it up. And it's like, this is one of, like most of the books, like we've had like. Yeah. Oh, she did it, listeners, she did a shaky hands gesture and it was really funny. I mean, I would say like most of these books we've had a problem because these characters are so obviously white. And they're just like these white ladies uh-huh. with white lady problems. I will have to say that the nice thing about this is I can't tell what race any of them are. Except it does feel a little assumy that maybe Danielle is a black woman who's sassy. Which is upsetting, but it's fine. Anyway, uh, there's no real races. It's just like, because this book, more than any book, feels like it wants me as a 40-year-old woman that they assume that I am, to be able to impart myself into any of these women. Mm-hmm. Like, it super wants that. Whereas, like, most of the books we read, we read, I feel like it's like, oh, if this is your thing, here's how to put yourself into it. This one's like, no, 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 we're trying to be as general as possible, so anybody right. can be in here at all. And it honestly felt a little stale. And it made it feel... A little? Like, real... But also, I'm going to say, to your point... Mm. Uh, Oh, my God. 
So, like, every time they brought up a point, they would bring it up again later. 6,000 times. Again later. And then they'd bring it up again later. So, like, they'd have a... Oh, my God. So... <laughs> so her and Jackson... Oh, Beth and Jackson finally go on a date. Also, Jackson Stanton oh, is the dumbest, dumbest name. name. I wrote that down several times, and it sounds stupid coming out of my mouth. Jackson Stanton. Jackson Stanton. Jackson Stanton. It's... it's Almost also, as bad as also, Corporal also, Thornton. Also, also, yes. Um, they're in Knoxville, right? <laughs> there's a part where she's like, "Meet me at the Mc- at McDonald's." Like, there's only one McDonald's, Not- and I was like, "Oh, they're in some tiny little town." No, they're in Knoxville. They're but she's like, that. "Meet I'm me like, at McDonald's." No, there was only one of anything. There was one hospital. There was one fire department. Uh-huh, there uh-huh. was uh, only one electrician. There's only there's, one restaurant other one than rest- McDonald's. There's one fancy. No, no, no. There's also the Cracker Barrel. Thank you. Oh, that's right. They go to Cracker Barrel. So there's McDonald's, there's Cracker Barrel, and the Lakeside Inn. Right. That they go to on two consecutive dates. They go there two dates in a row. Right. Um, Also, so the conversation they have at the restaurant, from beginning to end, from the moment they walk in. They don't have conversations. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting to that point. Okay, thank you. So from the beginning... From what happens at the beginning of that date to the end of it is replayed again to her friends almost verbatim. Everything. And every then important replayed piece of replayed again <laughs> when she meets up with the rest of her friends. There was one point where she's talking to the friends and she's like, oh, he kissed me and it was real good. And then Jackie or some bitch. The, like the very next thing that somebody says was like, oh, that's sexy. Is he a good kisser? She just said it, bitch! Pay attention! <sighs> oh my god, like so many, so many times, so many times, so many times. So like, many we times. Have to repeat all the information over and over and over again. <laughs> and it just, like, it, it blew, like, I was like, oh my god, I don't like, ugh. It got so annoying. Okay, so, but then he, here's the he other thing. Flames, flames, flames on the I'll side of my face. face. He, he, <laughs> heaving. Anyway. But, okay, so she and Jackson. Do not have a conversation. Not a single one. This book is so heavy with dialogue, and yet they say nothing. Neil. Yes? As an actor. Yes. I would like you to read with me uh-huh. some of the dialogue from this first date. Splendid. Um, so, you play Jackson, and I'll play Beth. Starting from there? Yeah. Okay. Jackson laughed. You have nothing to worry about. She's not my type. Really? What is your type? Intelligent, beautiful, friendly, selfless, and fun. Not very picky, are you? Yes, I am, actually. I don't like women who play games, and that girl had Twister written all over her. I mean, let's... They continue to talk, but I'm going to have to say this. Uh, Not much else happens. That's it. They don't talk about each other. And here's... Okay, so this is super important. This is super important. So, so the two of them have two or three dates. Two. Sexy times a little bit. This is not a book that goes into sexy times. If you're looking forward to, like, there's a lot of nipple play. But honestly, nipple play now feels like a stand-in for we're not going to talk about what else is happening. Their, their, (laughs) Their sex is missionary with no oral. Yeah. Every single Time. And it blows their minds. They're like, this was amazing. Right. And she's like, she, who was married for some time, has two kids. So has had sex at least twice in her life. Was like, he did things that no one ever did before. Oh, your husband never licked your nipples? Yeah. There's another well, no, point and where. And she, she says that. She's like, he paid no attention to my breasts. I was like, oh. 
uh, that man did not love you. Right. Also, <laughs> like, at a certain point, it is on you to communicate your needs to someone. Yeah, I'm also going to say There's one they're point... right in front of you, <laughs> yeah. and they're grabby. They're right. easy to Just grab. right so, there. So, like, every man who ever makes love to another woman is like... <laughs> Because they're easy to grab. They're just right there. They're just right there. Maybe they're bad at grabbing them. Maybe they're not good at paying attention to them. I'm willing to believe that. But that yeah. she was married to a man for a number of years that never touched her boobs, I am not on board. No. Also, there's one point where it's like they were having, she and Jackson were having sex, and it's like she never abandoned herself to her passions before. I'm like, that's probably why your husband left you. Because you, you were just, a cold fish in the sack. Also, I don't know what you're doing right now because you just literally just laid down. Missionary with no oral. Like, and it was, oh, and I'm just, like, I was just like, and, and like, Keith Jackson took his time. No, no, there was two thrusts. I counted and it was over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they have deities. sexy times whatever Whatever. stuff happens and they keep they keep having breakfast with each other because they're like oh i had a shitty shift and i need to talk about it let's go to mcdonald's oh wait until okay so so anyway so jackson's over one time and he's gonna meet her kids after two dates also he has a key he has a key to her house like right away right away and it's like oh we've hung out a couple times let me introduce you to my children that's not how that not goes. how it goes at all. That's not how responsible parents conduct their right. Love also, lives. can I say she has perfect children? They're robots. Yeah, because they're not real. They're like indistinguishable from each other. A lot of these books are. She's like, kind of negligent. Like, oh, she is super because negligent. they're how old I mean, are they? They're sixteen and like eleven. No, they're like sixteen and thirteen. Sixteen and thirteen. Which they're just kind of them. which fine. and like on the one hand, it's like okay, she works weird hours. Single mom. She's a single mom. Like that, there. Obviously, we have to allow certain things, but then it's just like, oh, like my kids are getting up, but I'm gonna go have dinner with or go have breakfast with Jackson, whatever. It's fine. I'm gonna have to say, I think she was also the worst nurse ever. She was a terrible nurse. I know. I don't know when she went to work. Like other than the two or three times it said, yeah. Specifically, she went to work. But I only, don't know when she went to but work. But only so that she could hear her coworkers say mean things about her. Yeah. Or so that Jackson could find her. But there were, they were so fighting. many times I was like, "When do you work?" I don't know. When do you work? I don't know. I don't know. At either. the one hospital next to the one McDonald's in but all anyway, Knoxville. So they've had two or three dates and some sexy times. I don't know. Like it got Ooh. a little strange. Like there was some times where they talked to each other and they, they uh, like it seemed to imply that they talked to each other at times when we were not present. Yes. When they took a walk around the lake or when they were driving or there something. There was one point where they go to walk around the lake and she's like, oh, let me get my wrap. It's getting chilly. I'm like, oh, you are 40. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to get my wrap out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so many times where it's assumed they're talking about something else. We're just not present. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought. Until, Until we have this conversation with her children. And her he children, comes over, they have dinner together? Uh, it's breakfast, I think. It's something. I think that's breakfast. I don't know. Anyway, and her children are just like, have you ever been married before? And he says... And Beth's like, that's none of your business. Right. And then he says, yes. And they had a baby. And she died in a fire with a baby. Yep. That he couldn't save. And. And everyone blames him for it. Right. Also, we find out later that the daughter was his captain or the his the, wife was his captain's daughter. Right. And also he works with her brother, who's also a fireman. 
all of this relate to us late in the game? I was like, oh, this writer had no idea that was happening. Right? Just like... <laughs> no idea. The, we're, we're at after date two. She has no idea about his dead wife and daughter until her kid's like, oh, have you been married before? And and she was... So and, what have they been talking about this whole time? There's another part later where it's like, they after they patch up after a fight because they have fights for no reason. Oh, all the time they have fights for no reason. And it's the same fight, just like a different person like, doing the different thing. Okay. And oh, so, oh, real oh, fast, oh. Sorry, real fast. But there's one point where they made up after a fight and it's like, they just sat there and were happy to be with each no, other talk. in silence. You talk about a thing. Say things to uh, each other. She's like, so I'm in love things. with him. You know nothing about him. You nothing don't know about, about his man. dead wife. You don't know about his dead kid. We don't know where he's from. We don't know if he has siblings. We don't know what his parents are like. They're alive. Probably. He's only 27. You're going to have to meet them. What's that going to be like? We don't know. We don't know who they are. We don't know anything about him. Yeah. Ask questions of the people that you're falling in love with. Good God. No, like, and, uh, like, what, so I can only assume that on that walk around the lake, they said nothing. They said nothing. They nothing just, like, looked looked at each other while the Wait, moonlight and, and right glistened. away, like, one of their meals was a companionable silence. I was like, it is not companionable. That uh, early in a relationship, nobody no. has companionable silences. Oh, oh, God. Okay, so the two fights. <laughs> The uh, two fights. You, you mean that same fight that happens twice? Yes. Except yes. switcheroo. Switcheroony. So upsetting. Okay. So the first fight that they have, Neil, would you like to talk about the first fight? Uh, so there's there's an arsonist. Yes? Yes. Okay. Well, let's not talk about that. No, right. but it's like that's the start of the first one, right? Is no, that... that's the fight of the second one. Oh, who knows? Right. Who no, fucking knows? So the first knows? one, he's like... I really like you and I think you're important. And she's like, oh, I can't say it because you're like 13 years younger than me and I don't know my feelings Not yet. like 13 years. Very Actually, specifically, specifically 13, 13 years, years younger. younger. So, and she's like, I don't know. And he's like, and he gets pissy about it. He's like, why can't you just tell me? And I'm like, you've known each other for three days. And then she blows up out of nowhere. She's like, give me some time, damn it. Oh, because Although people I thought that like, was fair. I thought that was fair. I was like, right. he was demanding a lot of her right. in that moment. But nothing leading up to this would imply that that she has emotions has emotions or a backbone right so, so he, he leaves. leaves and she's like and she goes to work and she's like freaking out at work because this big thing just happened and her, is this the time where she's like i'm almost killing people because i can't focus on my work pretty much and her she's an is, er nurse and she's like i'm so distracted and i'm like so when your husband left you you weren't distracted but when all. this guy who's exactly 13 years younger than you is upset well, she even because says you yelled in at the him car oh. on the way over to his house because oh, she leaves work to tell jackson mm-hmm. that she loves him because her boss dr like, brad anderson is like you're my best nurse and you're fucking up royally tonight get your shit together and she's like oh i need to go take care of something and then i'll be fine and it's like okay, like, we'll figure it out. Like, And she's like, I don't, like, I need the shift. I can't clock out. And he's like, we'll just, like, consider it your lunch. It's fine. Figure your shit out and then finish your shift right. because so, you're dangerous yes. when you aren't paying attention. And so on the drive over to Jackson's house to tell him everything, she's like, is this what falling in love is like? And I'm like, you had a husband. So surely you kind And of- she does say at one point that she did love him at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, does. if we like, can we get a dollar for every time she drives somewhere, like all full of piss and vinegar, and then as soon as she gets there, she lives her le- loses her nerve all the time. Every because time. then we'd be millionaires. millionaires. God damn it! So like, she goes there and she knocks Ugh, on the door. We'd be richer and then than the Rourke. most obvious thing ever happens. 
a beautiful woman opens the door and a is tall, like, leggy blonde, and is like, um, is it a little late? Because it's like it's like three in the morning. It's like three in the yeah. <laughs> um, and and our girl Beth freaks her shit out, <laughs> and she runs, and Jax is like, wait, it's not what you think, and what is the audience who's smart thinks? Oh, that's his sister. Or, or his friend, his because cousin. Because these two don't talk to each other. Something. So he, she, she could be anybody. Um, and, but Beth is like distraught, despite the fact that she had just said to Jackson she needed space. So it seems only fair that right. maybe he did want to have and a then he They've keep, only known each other three days. He keeps calling her, but she turns her phone off because she doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, and her friend Faith. She goes is to her friends. Faith? Yeah, it is okay. Faith. Because okay. this is why it's important. Oh. She goes to Faith. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, Faith. Jackson is like having sex He's with a young on woman, me. cheating on me, even though they're not actually official or whatever. And Faith, yeah, is, there's so many times it's like, oh my god, when we're dating, I'm like, you went on one date, you're not dating, right? Get it together. And like Faith is like, it's okay, stay here, calm down. I'll make you some milk. Just cry on my shoulder. And Faith is like super great, but which is sad because Faith is going through a divorce. No, that was Jackie. No, no, it's Faith. No, Jackie. No, it's Faith. It's Faith. It's Jackie. It's Faith. It's Jackie. It's Faith. It's Jackie. It's Faith. Anyway, the one going through the divorce. The one going through but the divorce. But also, first she's like, are you sure it's what you think it is? And Beth right. is like, yes, of course it is. He doesn't love me. Yeah. And then Jackie's like, okay, but how come the woman didn't say, get the fuck away from my man? And how come Jackson said, wait, it's not what you think. And Beth's like, I don't know, he's an asshole. And then Jackie's like, yeah, he probably is. He's probably just trying to rub it. And she's, and she, also Jackie's like, why do you think he keeps calling you? And Beth's like, to rub it in my face. And Jackie's like, you're probably right. Men are terrible. Or Faith or whichever friend right, it is. Right, right, right. They're what's, all interchangeable. What's important, what's important is she herself is going through a divorce because her husband had an affair on her. and For the second time in two uh, years. None of the girls in the club are paying any attention no, to her at all. No, there's one and point. And in fact, our girl Beth has not, like every time she's called her, it's to call her for her own things. And then she's like, oh, that's right. You're going through a hard time too. Yeah. At the, when we first hear about it, this was ridiculous too. They were at like club meeting on Thursday and they were first talking about Jackson. And then it's, I know it's Jackie. Jackie says, he's a little young for you. Isn't he? And is super bitchy. Right, and Beth's right, kind of like, right. what's up your ass? And she's like, my husband's cheating. Like, just right away breaks down into tears because yeah. her husband's having another affair. And they're like, oh, Jackie, that's sad. Beth, tell us about this firefighter you're fucking. Like, nobody cares about Jackie. Nobody cares. Well, and it's, which is funny because uh, Beth's sons care about Jackie. Because, yeah, they do a lot. Because they they both go like, hey, what's going on with Jackie? She seems sad. Um, also, we saw her husband coming out of a jeweler's and a fancy restaurant. With some and other lady. With another lady. Is that important information? <laughs> like, and Beth's like, oh, they're having a hard time. And I time. just wrote, I hate this book. I hate this book. <laughs> She's like, they're having a hard time. I'm going to go fuck this guy now. And the kids are like, okay, I'm going to go play basketball. Bye. You do that, mom. We have our own lives and our shit figured we, out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, except the younger one when he no, goes off on one. her. 
Oh, yeah. The, yeah the At one point, he's like, it's your fault Jackson left. It's your fault dad left. <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, no, it's the older one who, who freaks out. One of them. It does, yeah. But for the most part, they're like, well, our mom's never around and is more concerned with this firefighter right. who's exactly 13 years younger than she is. Who, so like, we're just is, like... We're cool with anyway. It's like, oh, one of us has a car, so we're just going to do our own shit and take care of ourselves and, and it's they do fine. fine. They don't actually need a mom. They could totally be... <laughs> they don't need that. a mom! Which like, is so sad! And, and, so, and like, Beth is just like... like her, her kids... Like, there's like a huge period of time in the book where we don't know where her children are. And then <laughs> she's she, like, I'm so worried about my boys. No, you're really like, not, lady. Is. And then like, it becomes important and I'm like, oh, now you wonder where they are. Because right. oh. I could feel like the author was like, oh, and I bet... Now we'll be worried about them. Just, so the second time, so but they get it all figured out. Uh, but here is where it gets stupid. It's so, so Jackson dumb. like comes to the hospital to like pick her up because he's so freaked out about her and to say it was my sister. And he's like, "Come on, let's go." And she's like, "No, I have to work. I'm I don't have a lot of money." And then the doctor, who's her boss, comes out and he says, "No, I'm actually this man's best friend from like way back, and he worked it out with me. You two can totally just leave." So the doctor and this fireman know each other and are best friends. And mm-hmm. this has only come up now, despite the fact that they were actually. In the first, very first scene together, uh-huh. this doctor was working on this man. This, the, his best friend came into the hospital unconscious and in smoke inhalation. And the doctor was just like not saying anything about this because this was unimportant information for us to know because the writer didn't know it yet. But Claire... Don't forget that every time we run into each other in public, I treat you as if you are a stranger. Yes. (laughs) Because that's how friends interact. Oh, my God. I say, hello, madam. How is the weather? Wonderful. See you later, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know you. Goodbye. It is at this point in the book Uh, where the writer has also decided they're going to write more books. Yep. And... All of these women who are best friends with each other. That now call it the Cougar Club. Because all of them have decided to start dating younger men. Yep. And all of them do it with the exact same wording. All of them are like, girl, you should date that younger man. I myself cannot date a younger man because it is weird. But I think I will because I am in love with him after only meeting him one time. And all the young men... All of them. All of them say something very similar it's to It's the that. exact same thing. And, and then all the men are, are friends. the hot... Like, they're, and they're the four best friends. It's like these... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these, these young men... Oh, my God. They're like the superhero team. Also, like, like but almost... almost. So it's they're idiots. Beth, like, Beth is with Jackson, the firefighter. Uh-huh. Danielle is with Brad, the doctor that they both work with. Uh-huh. Faith is with Tommy, the cop. Uh-huh. And Jackie is with Derek, the electrician. But he's the best electrician in the state. He's the best electrician in all of Tennessee. <sighs> and um, I but poor Jack. Jackie just can't catch a fucking break. It's just like not that there's anything wrong with electricians, these... obviously. But if your friend is fucking a firefighter and they're like, "Oh, we have this electrician for you," it's like, yeah, that's. I mean, like, yes, that's a, a steady job, and like, if you're looking for something long term, great. But if you're like, "Oh, give me your." electrician's belt and take me to... Like, it's just not the same as, like, wearing the fire helmet and nothing else. 
my god like it was like yeah it's it's way different than a cop a yeah fighter and a doctor it was obviously like what is this what is this electri- well because they because Jackson needed to talk to an electrician. Because there is an arsonist. Because there's an arsonist. Running around town. And everyone... Lighting fires on houses that Jackson's inevitably going to go to. Everyone thinks that he's the arsonist. Which makes no sense. Because they happen when he's on shift at the firehouse. When there's people all around him. So apparently... You can see him. He's a, a, a pyrotechnic and can just... Start fires with his mind across town, but no, no, no. He's on shift when the fires happen, so obviously he's the one doing it. What? Yeah. And and we we um, learn pretty soon on that the the chief and the fire marshal figure out that the fires are started by a very specific way that Jackson starts fires in training with live fire for incoming firemen it's like this one specific way into thinking that it may not be an electrical fire or an arsonist right so he does this very one specific way and the um captain and the uh fire marshal know that it's that very specific way so that's why they think it's him but then when we find out what it is it's like no you have to be there to make it happen yeah, yeah. You can't you set it on a timer. And walk away or something. And they're like, well, it's, it has to be him because it's happening on his ship while he's in the firehouse surrounded by people, all of whom have no names. They talk to a bunch of firemen and none of them have names. None of them are. Important. Until that one died. And then we find out that they knew him before, but we didn't see the scene where we met him. Right. Beth was like, oh, was he the one that was hitting on me earlier this know, evening in this really like, super thing? What? And it's like. No, just have that scene happen so that we actually care yeah, about him when he comes like in and dies. written moment to moment, second to second to second to second, and then suddenly it's like, oh, but you skipped those seconds? Like, those seconds where this other thing Well, happened? she probably wrote that paragraph and thought that she had written the other paragraph, but didn't. For, but didn't, yeah. because she did it. She would have done it weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And it just... And it's like... And I never... And that leads to their second fight. <sighs> and this is where... My conversation about repeated beats, besides just the repeated information, becomes important. So they have a second fight, which has the same sort of motions. So they're having a serious talk. And in this serious talk, he's like, I've been sidelined because all these fires are happening on my shift. And they're worried about it. So they've decided to move me to the truck. And and instead of thinking, instead of thinking, oh, somebody is doing this to make it dangerous for him to be on shift. They're like, oh, it's obviously him. He's obviously doing it. Right. and Because everyone's an idiot in this book. And then she has, like, the most normal reaction, which is to say, oh, well, I, I like you a lot, so I'm kind of glad you're not near fire. And, yeah, I'm, and he's there's like, an arson- you believe them and you don't like me anymore. And he runs out. Right. Again. It's like, I, you're, you have a dangerous job. Also, there's an arsonist who's obviously trying to hurt you. I'm glad that you're not in as much danger as you were earlier this evening. Yeah. And he's like... He just like stares at her and storms out. He also has bursts of rage that I'm not okay with. Not okay with. So he like leaves and she's like, what the fuck? And so now she's in the Jackson role from earlier where she's Mm -hmm. trying to get a hold of him and ask him what the hell is wrong. He won't answer her calls. Right. But then finally he does and it's fine. She goes to the fire. She goes to the fire station. 
loses her nerve at the last minute, but then Just forces like herself to knock on the door. Just like before. Because what if he doesn't talk to me? I can't face this rejection again. Just like before. Uh, Girl, get your shit together. Also, just like, okay, let's, the, there's a part where they're fucking and it's like, he's inside her and she's like, for the first time, she felt whole. And I'm like, okay, oh, let's, I let's, that and was like, fuck this book, let's, fuck this book, let's fuck this book. look at your life. You are the mother of two wonderful kids. Really smart. Really Really good. smart. They have their shit together. Right. They're on your side. They know that your ex-husband is an asshole because he abandoned them. You save lives for a living. Right. You are an ER nurse. You save lives. Every time you go to work, you are saving somebody's life. But that doesn't help her feel whole. No. Nope. She doesn't feel complete until she has a 27-year-old dick inside her. Yes. I would also have to say, so the arsonist <sighs> is going around town killing children. Um, yes. So, like, there's, like, fires all over, and Like, it's 30? Awful. Like, 7? I don't know. I don't know. It Just the same thing happens. A, a billion lot of times. fires and people this, die. A child dies. A child dies. This uh, book is only two hundred thirty pages, but it is, felt so much right. longer. She is never called into her ER shift to help with smoke inhalation victims. No, not a one. The, there is never a moment where because she's on shift and more people come in, except for that one fireman. The fireman who dies. Because, which is weird, because there's only one hospital in Knoxville, right? Um, but only right that, next to the only one the McDonald's. Firemen go to the ER. I don't know where the children and families go when they have smoke problems or are dying or burns. Of burns. But so this fireman and that scene actually, I thought was like, uh, was kind of great because like oh. he's like it was gross, but it, it was, was super I, gross. She I, had to help like take the because he had third degree burns, so she had to help. Take the dead Slough skin off. the of, skin off. And it was so I'm gross, like, but I was like, oh, this oh. is this is fine. Let's just be a writer now. Good job. Yay. Oh, because we're done. it's <laughs> <laughs> And then he dies, which was super sad, obviously. It was. It but was it's super also sad. like, oh, it's that one guy that I had that moment with earlier tonight. Which guy you didn't mention him? Who the yeah, fuck is this kid? Ugh. The one time there's something that happened off stage that was important. <laughs> anyway, they catch the arsonist. The arsonist. Who was it? Oh, uh, it was his brother-in-law. Yeah. So the moral of the story, looking at both of these books, is that if you date a fireman, you're going to have to deal with arson because of somebody, a dead person's brother. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and what happened at the end, like, of course, our main lady has to be caught up in the arsonist plot somehow. And I don't want to get into it because it doesn't fucking matter. But <laughs> I, I think what I was looking forward to in these books, and I don't know about you, but I was looking forward to our hero coming into a burning building and sexily grabbing up our other romantic lead and mm-hmm. saving their lives, mm-hmm. which did happen mm-hmm. in one book. But honestly, mm-hmm. a little too early on for it to be super significant. Right. And I thought, like, oh, the arsonist is going to light Beth's house on fire. He and, tried to a couple times. And it didn't work. Um, because it turns out that the super secret method for starting fires... <laughs> you stick a towel in gasoline and then put it in a toaster and turn the toaster on. That's it! That's all. That's all it oh, is. No, 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 no. So, so and there are is, curtains. No, so when like she came you home... You douse and, half the curtains in gasoline, and then you just put the other half in the toaster, so it doesn't look like the start is in the toaster. It just looks like, oh, that was the accident, and then also there was gasoline. I'm like, no. Right. Uh, no, fire inspectors are much smarter than they used to be. Also... <laughs> 
Also, when she came home a couple times to see that her kitchen door was unlocked and the toaster was like sideways on the table, Jackson never put two and two together until the end. Like, like oh. right away, I'm like, I don't know how this was intended to start a fire, but I know that it was. Yeah, yeah. But Jackson's like, why is there a toaster on its side of the table? They said it's Well, and then like after her oh. house is broken into, not broken into, big deal, not big deal at all. She goes to her friend's house to like freak out. And her friend's like, I can't believe this happened to you. And I'm like, what, that her back door was open? That's the thing I could absolutely believe would happen. Like, oh, I believe your house is broken into. I'm very sorry it did happen. Right? But I have, like, there's not a moment in my life where I've ever, like, I am surprised that on a bad neighborhood, somebody bumped into you. Yeah, but. Well, that is the worst thing that happened to you. I am horrified that someone opened your back door. In a, t- in a tiny little one McDonald town like Knoxville, you never heard of such a thing. Somebody breaking into somebody else's house. It's unheard of. With one hospital. Anyway, they anyway. get together. They get together. It wasn't it's sexy. Fine. She's and pregnant. She. Oh, I hated that so much. I hated it so much. I hated it says, that so much. And there's much. one part where she's like, we used protection and everything. No, you didn't. You no. didn't mention it once. I was there. You did not. I was, I was, I didn't want to be there, but I was. You well, did not use a like single doctor, goddamn condom. And the doctor comes in because she was in the hospital because she was hit on the head. And oh, like, because when he, oh, this arsonist. was another thing. She, so the arsonist texted her and was like, I have your youngest son. And if you want him alive, come alone. He never said where, but she intuitively knew it was her house. He's like, <laughs> she's like, come oh. alone. And she's like, oh, I have to go to my house now. And of course she did. Jackson was there with his cop friend. She didn't think to tell anyone. No. She's like, I'll leave him a note. I don't want to be a burden. Get it together, but like bitch. But that end part but, when he's trying to save her, he keeps having to say, I need to get Derek, Brad, and Tommy together. Yeah. <laughs> My me and my three best friends will save the day. Right. Well, the cop will surely. Yeah, yeah. The cop. Um, he seemed really uh, actually good at his job. Right. Too. So, and then he was also good, being like, "Hey, Jackson, calm the fuck down. Don't go running into that building. I'm a cop. I have a gun. I'm trained for this. Yeah. You're trained to put out fires. Yeah. This isn't. Tommy anyway, was the best. Yeah. Um. So the arsonist clobbered Beth out, tied her to a chair, set the building on fire. Jackson comes in, rescues her, and like. Two paragraphs. Yeah, no problem. And then we find out after the fact that he kept seeing visions of his wife dying. Mm-hmm. Like he was superimposing visions of his wife onto onto Beth. And I'm like, oh, that sure would have been interesting if we in read moment. it happening in, in the, the moment. moment. Also, everyone blamed Jackson for his wife dying, despite the fact that he was at work when the house caught on fire. Yep. Because he, he can start fires with his mind from yep. afar. Whatever. It's fine. Anyway... They get together. Oh, and then, oh, I have to read this at the end when they're getting married. Um, There's a wedding. And then after their kiss, Jackson whispered the sweetest words he'd ever heard. I love you, Beth Stanton. New paragraph. This cougar's life was now complete. I just wrote barf. Barf indeed. It's fucking awful. I, I feel like especially when she got pregnant... Okay, so in the last like two pages right, of the book. Right, and she's 40. And I'm not saying a woman who's 40 can't get pregnant. And I'm not saying a woman who's 40 shouldn't get pregnant. I'm saying as a woman who is 35 and having a hard time getting pregnant, I'm like, no, you have to have discussions. Right. Like, does yeah. this, like... And 40 is the age at which, like, yeah, they're, the risks that come with being pregnant go up enough that oh, yeah. it is a concern. Like, you have to, like... 
Like, and she, like, you have to, you know, and again, it's fine. You can toast get pregnant. We just had a senator who is, you know, who is in her 40s and had a baby and it was fine. Hooray! This is, it's all fine. But what I'm saying is it's actually an important thing to talk about with the person you love. You have to mm-hmm. say these things to each other. You're like, oh, before we get married, young man who may be interested in having children, I as a 40-year-old woman may have a hard time with that. How are you feeling? What is your life plan? You must have one as you think still you can't die because you're in your 20s. Right. And I, as a 40-year-old woman, have actually met with mortality. So, what's up? What's... Uh, these are these are all cool... No, do you know what they did? They just stared at each other in silence and figured that they were in love. Oh, my God. That's... Uh, <sighs> anyway... Like, and it wasn't romantic. It wasn't like... Like, like it wasn't like... Uh, Fulfilling, I didn't like it. But most importantly, (laughs) Danielle, Jackie, and Faith each have their own books, too. Right, and obviously those are coming up. They're all out. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean like next in the series. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm not reading them. No, I'm not either. Anything else? Are we done? Whatever, it's done. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's play Fuck, Marry, Kill with characters. Let's do. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go first. Please do. Uh, your choices are uh-huh. Jackie, mm-hmm. Faith, mm-hmm. or Danielle. Yay! <laughs> They're okay. the next brides up. Yeah. They come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to... You were the hero of their stories. Right. Yay. <laughs> um, I'm going to fuck Danielle, mm-hmm. who's the, like, feisty one. There's one part where she's a total bitch to someone, and the friends are like, Oh, and someone's like, is she always like that? And they're like, oh, no, she's actually in a really good mood today. <laughs> so she's, you know, whatever. Um, so I'll fuck her. I'm going to marry Jackie, who, uh, I mean, like, yeah, she's going through the divorce or whatever, but she owns a bookstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that was her job. Like they, just... And they all had their jobs. Did Faith have a job? I don't remember. No, it's not important. Um, <laughs> and And I did appreciate that Jackie was like, I can't support myself on a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Like her husband was sort of like having a dual income household is what allowed her to keep the bookstore. Um, but I love bookstores. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll just like hang out there all the time and be like, Jackie, don't be sad. And she'll be like, eh. and I know it's fine, baby. Um, and then I'm going to kill Phil Faith because I remember absolutely nothing about her. <laughs> no. What about you? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there was, there was something about Danielle that just rubbed me the wrong way. That's fair. I, I didn't, like, all of them were upsetting in so many ways. But, like, I didn't like Danielle as much. But I thought she'd be a fun night out. <laughs> so, totally fuck Danielle. I can't stand her, but let's take her into the sack. Fun night out. Fun yeah, night out. Fair. Um, and I'm going to marry Faith, if only because I guess we'll get to know who she is. <laughs> well, obviously, the Cougar Club book tells us that you marry someone and then get to know who they are. Yes, that's exactly. So how you're it doing works. it in the exact right order. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then I'm going to kill Jackie, um, if only because I've gotten them all three confused with each other. And I don't actually know who any of them are. Yeah, it's fair. I haven't been given a clear point of view, except on who Danielle is. 
So I'm going to kill Jackie because it doesn't okay. matter. So then I'll there have are the, all three variations of the same one. I'll have the books. <laughs> I'll have the bookstore all to myself. Oh, enjoy. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Okay. Great. <laughs> okay, Claire. Yes. Fuck Mary Kill. Uh-huh. The Cougar Club. <laughs> all the Cougar Club. All of the unnamed firemen oh. in Knoxville. Uh-huh. Or uh, Morgan's gym buddies. Oh! Ooh. Including the gay ones. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm going to fuck all the unnamed firemen. Uh-huh. Because, yeah. Yeah? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to marry the gym buddies. They are emotionally supportive. They are. They um, are, seem really pleasant to hang mm-hmm, out with. Mm-hmm. They know way more about the gym than I do and seem yeah. perfectly happy to yeah. tell yeah, you yeah, yeah, in yeah. a nice way how to In a very nice way. When they were at dinner with Richie and they were asking questions about what it was like serving in Iraq, they were very general questions as opposed to like, did you kill anyone? Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, what was it like? Blah, blah, blah. And just, like, giving him space to share only what he wanted to yep. share kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to marry them. Great. And I'm um, going to kill the Cougar Club. Kill the Cougar Club. It's so cacophonous. It's wonderful to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do the exact same. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good... Yeah. It's a really good life plan. Also, these the gym buddies, they just, like, go to the gym in the middle of the day. I imagine they all have a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Or jobs that they're... We don't know what their jobs are, but they're able to just, like, go do whatever. Gym. Yeah. Huh. Great. Yeah. So the books? The books! Um, so I'm going to say... Um, I am going to kill the Cougar Club. Yep. Um, I did not like that book. I did not it enjoy reading that book. So I was angry so often. Awful. I was um it like it was I this... would say like the it's just again, it was written it felt like it was written by an algorithm. It like, was a it was like a ninety page book that happened three times. Yes. In one book. One hundred percent, and they oh, were not real God. human beings. No, like, like I, I, I even think, wanted to like the kids, but there was nothing about them that indicated that they were people. Right. I, I think there there are lots of books we read where we're upset about how the sex happens, or who it's having with, and mm-hmm. like how that's confronted, which is a perfectly reasonable reason to not like uh, a romance book. This one was so formulaic, but not well put together. Missionary with no oral. Every single time and it was uh, it was not romantic I did not care for these people to get together he would get kind of violent sometimes not violent well, but he, like he had out was... he had outbursts right and, and it's just like who, this isn't sex how can we just like stop finding it sexy for men to just like they love you so much that they get angry and violent that's not okay that's not healthy for people to have to express the emotions that way and for you to find that validating of their feelings for you. Also, one thing that did piss me off in this book. Just the one? Yeah. One important thing. Mm-hmm. Every time another woman came into the scene that was not one of the Cougar Club and so friends and so would like look Jackson Stanton up up and down, mm-hmm. uh, they were referred to as bitches. Um, mm-hmm. sluts mm-hmm. or any of those other things and I, I'd underline it and go no we can be supportive of ladies 
Like, another lady mm-hmm. looks at a man that we're hanging out with and is like, oh, dang, or whatever. That's their problem. Right. There's... <laughs> That's not, you don't have to, you don't have to look at a woman who is beautiful and say she's a slut. And when um, Beth went into the bathroom at work and, like, two of her coworkers came in and were like, Oh my god, I thought Beth had her head on her shoulders, but obviously her divorce fucked her up that she's fucking around with this young guy. Who? Why would he want an old hag like her? Like, they were being absolutely terrible. And of course she's in tears and she has to call Jackson to be reaffirmed of all of her life choices. And he's like, I bet... And she doesn't give any particulars. She's just like, oh, these people at work are saying this and this. And he's like, I bet they're women and they're just jealous. And I'm like, oh, yeah. ooh, that yeah. says something about you that that's the first thing that you think of. Also, this book talks about like, oh, my man and my woman. And I just like hate that. I really like there's one point she's like, it felt so good to be cooking for a man again. It's just like, oh, girl. Well, yeah. maybe try cooking for your sons every once in a while. If you God. like that so much. But, Ugh. you know, and, and like, like every time, like. She there's one she morning where like she has McDonald's. Whatever it was like. Ugh. Yeah, there's one morning where she has McDonald's and her sons like made themselves cereal and toast or something. They eat better than she does. Though I will appreciate there's one time I think it was at the Cracker Barrel where she says something and the waitress is like, "Well, if you don't want him, I'll take him, honey. He's hot." Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. No, so I'm killing that book. Yeah. Um, and I think rekindled. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna fuck the book. Like mm-hmm. I think, I did cry. I did get emotional. There was a lot to it that I really liked. I, I mm-hmm. don't think I'm ready to settle down with this book. Yeah. I think there was still some other issues. Again, I. Th- I think Morgan was too perfect. I really wish there was a lovely moment where. Richie could have confronted Morgan with something and been like, you, oh, you need to get your shit together. The thing that I meant to bring up that I felt was unfair of Morgan is that, so um, the thing about like Richie got the bad intel and it caused a bunch of people in his unit to die. Like that's the thing that he won't talk about for a lot of the book. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's sort of like he talks to the other guy from his unit. He's like, "Oh yeah, totally tell someone. It really helps." And but, excuse me. There's one point where Morgan is like, "You have to tell me what it is, or we can't be together." And I'm like, "That's not fair. Like that's something that he needs to like work out with a therapist first. Yeah. And then I'm sure the therapist will be like, "Okay, now that we've done work on it, I think it would be good for you to share it with other people." But for him to say like this thing that you don't obviously don't want to talk about if you don't tell me we can't be together i think that was an entirely unfair of him yeah and by like i was kind of in love with him at that point in the book i was just like mm. Mm. yeah i wasn't i wasn't completely on board with it either but it was also human like it was yeah so was. like i'm i and it was like his one moment of humanity so it's I really needed, like, I needed him to be wrong right. about things. And I don't think he was called out enough on that moment. And I think there no. was another one or two moments. And I, But I think there should have been more. There was another moment where uh, Richie's just like, we haven't seen each other in 20 years. You're obviously projecting feelings from when we were kids onto me. And Morgan's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then at the end, he's like, that came up once. And then at the end, he's like, I think I was. And Richie's like, no, of course you were. It's like, no, he yeah. obviously was, but they didn't want to talk about it. It's right. fine. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, 
Uh, I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna kill the Cougar Club, and I'm gonna fuck the gay firemen. Well, the books. Yeah, it was fine. Aww. It was uh, rekindled. There were a lot of really great moments, and there were a few things that we brought up that I'm kind of like, eh, but fucking Cougar Club, man. Like, I can't. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, of all the characters, who would of you fuck, who would you marry, and who would you kill? Ooh. Um, well, honestly, Angus. Angus is my man. Mm-hmm. He seemed really hot. Mm-hmm. He seemed really well put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he a and, fireman. He could still pick me up. He and um, Morgan josh around a lot. Mm-hmm. He's really, yeah. There's a scene where um, he Angus comes to the door real or like knocks on the door real early, and um, Morgan comes out and like has morning wood and is tenting in his underwear, and Angus is like. You gotta put that away. I'm already spoken for. Yeah, <laughs> no, I thought that was cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think I would marry Angus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd probably fuck Morgan. Okay. I mean, that'd be nice. I yeah. Think, like, be, he'd be a good date. Yeah. Really thoughtful. Again, I'm not ready to settle down, and I think he moves really too fast. He does move too fast. Um, but uh, I'd be on board with a good night with him. Also, he's uh, good giving in game. On board with it. Yeah. Oh, and also there was a neat moment in the book uh, where they play around with the idea of spanking. And Richie's like, I am not into that. And I was like, that's the first time someone in this book has ever said I'm not into something. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sad. And the other partner was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so upset now. Um, Anyway... Uh, and then I'm going to kill the Cougar Club. Mm-hmm. All, all of them together at the same time. And all of the boys. Like the Cougar Club and the Young Men Club. Great. They don't have a catchy name, which mm-hmm. is upsetting. Yeah. It was um, so I'm going to fuck Angus. Yeah. I'm going to marry Morgan. Yeah. And then I wrote, kill everyone in no smoke except Danielle. <laughs> so we feel the same about a lot of these things. All right. The the pool of people that were attractive, and not just like physically attractive, but like attract people who are attractive was very small this time around. It was. It was. Okay. All so right. what are we reading next time? Well, next time. Okay. See so if you can. You're not going to be able to guess. Um, I'm going to guess something anyway. Okay. So we're going to be reading The Wedding Date uh-huh. by Jasmine Guillory. Uh huh. And we're going to be reading Just for Show by J. J A E. Oh. Just for Show by Jay and The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. Is it wedding planners? No. Is it arranged marriages? Fake weddings? It is fake dates. Yay! It is 100% (laughs) fake dates. Yeah. So people going on fake dates. For the sake of like, oh, here's my significant other to their friends and family so they don't have to deal with. When are you going to settle down? Exactly. Great. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Um, and it th- makes me want to watch a whole bunch of rom-coms that we've seen and in I the think, world. I think that's what both of these are going to be. And I think, I'm almost positive, but I'm not sure. I think Jasmine Guillory is a local author. <gasps> oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's find out and then invite her on the show. I think Well, we'll see if we like her book first. I also would have to say, I think she's a, I think she's a big deal. Oh, okay. We'll make it happen. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. 
Great. If we like her book. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to be like, it was such a good book. No, for I'm sure. I'm not going to do that. For anyway. Sure. Anyway, that's it. That's it. So thank you very much, listeners. Thank you so much. Be sure to tell your friends and rate, review, subscribe. What follow us on thing, Twitter. Whatever. Follow us on the face place. Mm-hmm. The face place. If you haven't run if away it still from exists. it already, who knows? Yeah. It's not up to us. It's it's up to the fates. We only provide content for it. We don't dictate it. <laughs> um, and I'd also like to thank Christine, who's our lovely sound engineer, who Yay. records us, who does the music, who's amazing, um, who edits our shows and hosts mm-hmm. us in her apartment. Who, for the past couple of episodes, has been taking down notes. So that as soon as we stop recording, it's like, these are notes that I had. And some <laughs> other great. Um, just an update for the last episode in regards to Rourke stealing uh, Eve's cat, Christine said, you can't own a cat. <laughs> so. It's true yes. enough. So thank you, um, And then, of course, lastly, thank you to the authors. Thank you, authors. Uh, we rag on your books, but honestly, we're absolutely pleased as punished to be allowed to have read them, and we're glad that there are writers who are working their passion and putting them out for us to read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it makes us happy. Yeah. So... Keep writing. It gives us something to do on a Sunday. Oh, and all the days leading up to the Sunday. And all the days following the Sunday. Indeed. Great. Good. Okay, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.